0: I figured you could good we are right now in the middle of a series called who is this guy and why does he matter it's based on the book of Colossians okay let me give you a little background once again uh, the Paul's letter to the to the church of Colossae and from that we get the book the book of Colossians It's a little book, it's to a little bitty town, it's an insignificant town, Paul never even went there, he went to the major cities and he'd send out people, one guy he sent out was a guy named Epaphras, and Epaphras went to this little bitty teeny tiny town of Colossae, which would be like Sio around here, I mean, small, it's so insignificant that of all the towns that Paul has visited, we've never even excavated this one, we know where it is, we even have the tail, the little mound where the the town used to be, we've never even excavated it, because it just doesn't mean anything, Now, Laodicea was a a town that was much bigger, and we've excavated it. And there was a letter to Laodicea, as a matter of fact, we know that. Paul talks about that. We don't have that letter. That letter's gone. The letter to this little town of Colossae, that one we've got. Why? Because people had butter No. Because our father wanted us to know the stuff in the letter from Colossae. The stuff in the letter to the Laodiceans wasn't important, or he would have preserved it. So we have this little bitty, teeny, tiny town and this incredible letter. Because what was going on in the church in Colossae was after Jesus Christ came and he uh, rose from the dead and ascended. That doesn't mean everybody understood who he was. Remember how we started this whole series? We looked at the man who was the Lone Ranger and the Lone Ranger would ride into town and he'd do some things and when he left, everybody would always say, who was that masked man anyway? Well, they did the same thing with Jesus. Okay, who is this guy? His disciples did it as as Jesus is performing all these miracles. Who is this guy? After he rose again and ascended to the Father, his name was proclaimed, but that doesn't mean people understood. So the question is, who is he? But more important, why does he matter? What's the point? This little letter is meant to answer those questions. So that's why we've been looking at the church and Colossae and the letter to the Colossians that Paul wrote so these two questions first of all bring it to speed quickly pull out your sermon notes if you want to because this is a review we will go very very fast but there you go you can write it down for the past few weeks we've been looking at chapter one primarily because chapter one and a little bit of chapter two that Paul actually says this is who he is this morning we're going to change gears to talk about why he matters just like Paul does but are you ready this is who he is Bingo! First of all, He is my Savior. At the most basic level, that's who He is. That's all you really need to know. Everything else we're going to talk about is wonderful, it's good, it's great stuff, but you know what? You don't need to know it. You don't need to know about all this other stuff. This is what you need to know. This is life-changing. This is eternity-changing. Is He your Savior? Do you trust Him for your salvation? That's got to be the first and most important. And if you do great now let's move on but this is where you start okay what else he's my savior he's the eternal god how can that be i don't know i've been studying this for decades the trinity is a mystery to me and the reason it's a mystery to me is because i'm a human being with a human mind trying to comprehend an eternal being and it makes my that's probably why my hair has fallen out so i'm looking at some of you thinking you're probably the thinkers in the world aren't you that's what it is we've thought so hard we've constricted our brain and our hair died and that must be it anyway he is the eternal god we looked at that but more than that he's also this he is the creator he is the creator god and what that means for me is this he created let's go on he is the reason i exist in other words what's the point of Evolution does a great job of, if you want to believe in that, you know, of talking about how life starts and then develops, but it doesn't tell you really how it came to be. It just says it is, and here's how it develops. Okay, that's wonderful. It's a nice theory. But it doesn't tell you about it. You know what? I know why things are here. I know who created them. I know how they came to be. I know how something turned into, or nothing turned into something. How there was nothing here, and then suddenly there was something here. It has nothing to do with evolution. It has to do with the Word of God and a powerful God who said, Let there be, and there was. Okay, that's simple. He's the reason I exist. But not only that, he's the reason I continue to exist. Because according to Scripture, according to Colossians, he holds all things together. Everything's, he's holding it all together. And we talked about that last week. That meant, even when I was sinning, my father was holding me together, letting me do it. Now, if I had been God, I would have said, see this sinner? You're gone. But my father loves us so much. And is committed to us so much that even in the midst of our rebellion, he's holding us together. But not only that, he's the purpose of my existence. I exist because he created me. I continue to exist because he holds me together. But I was created for him. And if you have found him, if you're in a relationship with him, you have found the reason you were created. You have found your purpose. Why am I here? You're here to know God. He created you to know Him. That's why you're here. And if you know Him, you did it. Now, there's lots more things He wants us to do. But all those people who have accomplished so many great things, the great literature, the great buildings, the great architecture, the great art, the great singing, if they don't know God, they did not fulfill their purpose. Their time here was actually wasted because all those things we just talked about, the music and the architecture and the writings, will all disappear one day and they'll be gone. All right, moving on. He is, this was the one that we took a little time to explain last week. <laughs> we could have said, he's my Lord, um, or he's my CEO, but those are so clinical, uh, almost like they could, he could send you a list of, you know, I'm the boss, do this today, sign God, and mail it to you. doesn't work like that. God is like that personal spiritual trainer. Remember we brought Cora up here who talked about... Uh, how many of you felt guilty about the fact that we have a group of people in our church who get up at 4.30 every morning and meet with a, with a, a physical trainer? I don't. I'm long since past that. Blessings on all of you that do that. Some of you are in this room, you're part of that group. Hallelujah, that's great. I will be there praying for you if I can remember to do that at 4.30 in the morning. But at any rate, there was a whole... Th- about the, the spiritual... I mean, the, the physical trainer who, who pushes you and encourages you and helps you, he's there. It's the same thing with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God doesn't send you notes. He doesn't give you little sticky notes that says, you know, dear Matt, do this today. He's right there with you like a spiritual, personal, spiritual trainer. Okay. He is more than that also. He is my Redeemer, which is a little different than when we're talking about Savior. Savior, this is, this is how we know he did it. We know that he forgave our sins he's our savior but he forgave our sins because he died it was his death somehow his death and resurrection bring me forgiveness and life and he was glad to do it we'll be talking about that more and more as we get closer to easter he is also my hope okay in other words i put my hope in him my hope for all of the what we've been talking about is in him. It's not in the church, it's not in the pastor, it's not in my theology, it's in him. I put my hope in Jesus. All this is true, all this is for you if you continue in your faith is the way it was put in the book of Colossians. It says, I put my hope in him. He's my mission. In other words, he, Paul wrote something, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm fulfilling what was lacking in Christ. You go, wait a minute, what was lacking in Christ? Well, we're not talking about his, his forgiveness, we're not talking about his His work on the cross, we know that's done, but someone's got to tell the world about that. When Jesus left, he just had a handful of disciples in a little bitty location. Now it's up to the rest of us to continue his mission. His mission was to go and proclaim the good news about God, and he's given us that mission. He becomes my mission, and he also becomes this. He becomes my message. When I proclaim the good news of God, this is what I proclaim, Jesus can't explain him by just proclaiming Jesus. Receive Jesus. Accept Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Learn about Jesus. Be part of Jesus. Be in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus is my message. That's what I share. All right? That's our message. And we ended it with this way. What we're all talking about for that first chapter about who he is is this He is the main thing. And the main thing is keeping the The? Go home. We're all done. There you go. No, we're moving on from there. Okay, that's it. In other words, he's it. I mean, Jesus is so complete and so full. He's God. He's the fullness of God. He's it. And the whole trick in life is keeping him it. And when you do that, man, you're successful. That's who he is is now we change gears and we change gears because Paul's about to change gears which is his pattern by the way in almost every one of Paul's letters he starts with theology this is true and this is true and this is true and this and at some point he says now because the theology is interesting kind of stuff but you always have to come to the so what part which is by the way is when you learn how to preach that's the question that why are you doing this why are you taking 35 and 40 minutes? From, what's, where's the so what in this? And a good sermon has a so what. And the, uh, sometimes those work well for me. And every now and then you could walk out going, what was the so what there? And you go, Not, uh, he needed to work on that one a little bit better. Paul would say, here's the theology. Now, based on this, this is what I want you to do with it. Okay? Here's where we get practical. That's what's going to happen right now. And I want to tell you why Paul did this. And it's this right here. It's called the Gnostics. The G is silent. Don't ask me why. I decided that somewhere a long time ago, there, someone had a whole bunch of extra Gs left over, and they just decided to stick them in front of words. It's called the Gnostics. Now, this is what was going on when Paul was writing, because all the times that Paul wrote, most of the Scripture was written for a reason to address a certain issue that was going on. If somebody was going to write to the church today, they might talk about the use of internet. They might talk about even issues within the world like Iraq or Syria or things like that. What was happening there was a group of people called the Gnostics. Stick with me here, we have to get philosophical. I know, I was one of my BAs, I understand that. Don't go to sleep, I'll try to get there quickly. The Gnostics were a group of people who believed they had a special knowledge. Do you know what the Greek word for knowledge is? Gnosis. There we do pronounce the G. Gnosis. And it means knowledge. Gnostics were the ones who said, well, oh, have you accepted Jesus Christ? That's good. But you know what? I have a special knowledge for you. If you really want to be a good Christian, I know the secret. You won't find it in Paul's writings. Paul doesn't know the secret. I know the secret. Would you like me to tell you? Well, here's the secret to being a good Christian. That's called a Gnostic. That was the heresy that was going on that said Jesus is okay, but now you need to know, as C.S. Lewis might have said, the deep magic. Here you go. And if you don't know this, you'll either be a second-class Christian or maybe not even a Christian at all. There are all different types of Gnosticism. This one that was invading... uh, Uh, the little town of Colossae was the one that said look anything physical is evil and bad only the spiritual is good these people even take it so far as to say Jesus did not have a physical body he didn't have one he couldn't because that would mean he was evil he appeared to have a body But he really didn't have a body because he couldn't because the body would be bad and he couldn't be bad. He was pure spirit who looked like he had a body. Which is, by the way, if you ever read, and hopefully you do, the the letter from John, 1 John. He says to his writers, these things which we have seen, these things which we've touched, these things which our hands have handled, we proclaim now to you. Do you know why he wrote that? Because the Gnostics were saying, Jesus didn't have a body, and John said, oh yeah, he did. I touched him. It was real. It was physical. Now, if the physical is evil, it needs to be harshly treated. This is a bad thing. You need to starve yourself. You need to beat yourself. You've got to subdue this evil, icky, horrible thing. I'm going to give you a whole list of things that you can't touch or eat or be part of, because all they do is fill this evil, icky thing. That's what they were facing. So what happened was, Paul would come in, or through Epaphras, they would come in and teach the gospel of grace, and mercy, and forgiveness, and faith in Jesus Christ, and the nonstopers would come in and say, okay, now that's, as, that's good as far as it goes, but now you need to know. Let me give you a whole list of rules that you, that, that you have to obey. You can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't do this, and you've got to treat your body harshly, and if you don't, you're nothing but a second-class Christian. And that's what was going through the church at Colossae. And so Paul writes, and he says this. Are you ready? First of all, Paul says this, follow Jesus, not people, my friends. That is really, really good advice, okay? Okay. That's why we try to get you to understand the words of Jesus Christ. That's why we try to get you to understand the gospel. That's why I tell you to read the gospels over and over and over and over again so that you understand his words and what he did. We have a tendency to follow people even more than we follow Jesus Christ. This is how Paul put it in in the the letter. I tell you this so that no one may... Okay, stop right there. In other words... The first chapter and a little bit of what we just talked about, who he is and who he is and who he is. Then Paul says, let me tell you why I'm telling you this. Let me tell you why I've spent so much time talking about who Jesus is. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Someone's come into the church telling them different things. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith is in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Rooted and built up in him. In other words, someone says, well, that's okay to start with Jesus, but you need that special knowledge to continue. Paul says, nonsense. How you started is how you continue strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on christ okay christ is all the things we talked about he he's the savior eternal god he's my mission he's my hope he's my creator all that stuff that's who you base your life on not the silly or sometimes even persuasive teachings of human beings. And here's why. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And you've been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Jesus is God in bodily form. Why would you listen to the yuts down the road instead of Jesus? Listen to Jesus, stop looking to the people around you for what is true and right. Start looking to Jesus. This isn't the only time, by the way, that Paul had to deal with this one. Um, this happened a lot in churches, and sometimes it wasn't even the Gnostics. Sometimes it's just human nature, where we all want to choose our favorite. You know, you have. A, I was just talking with, uh, um, with with your son about Nathaniel. About uh, he has a favorite driver in NASCAR now, right? Who is it? Gordon. Uh, was it? Jeff Gordon is your, is your NASCAR guy, right? Okay. All of us may have favorite things. Back then they had favorite apostles. If they'd had little figurines, they would have carved them and sold them in posters, you know? Let me show you that. It's from, taken from the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. The first of First Corinthians in the church of Corinth, what was going on was people were saying, oh, are you a follower of Paul? Oh, I feel so sorry for you. I follow Apollos. Look at this. He says this, when he's talking about the fact that the church is divided, what I mean is this, one of you says, I follow Paul. Another one says, I follow Apollos. Another one, I follow Cephas. Still another one, I follow Christ, which isn't a bad idea. And he says, is Christ divided? Why are you doing this? Why are you following? Why are you breaking yourself up into favorite apostles and leaders? You know why? Because that's what we do. It's tough for us just to listen to the Spirit and to follow Jesus Christ. We we always want to have somebody out there in front of us. And I don't know if it's because we don't know the way or because then we can blame them. I haven't quite figured that one out. But somewhere we want to say, well, I follow whoever that person is. The point is you, you don't follow philosophers. And please don't follow politicians. Right? If you have a favorite politician, I would you know, be careful, okay? Just be really... And don't even follow pastors. That was you were supposed to aim in the other one and be <laughs> quietly shocked at this one. God, even superstar pastors we have in our tendency in our culture today we take pastors and usually the pastors of the mega churches and they write huge books and they sell millions and. Um, Next thing you know, we're, we're not talking about Jesus any longer. We're talking about the teachings of Mark Driscoll or Stephen Furtick or Andy Stanley or whatever. They, we elevate them to the point of saying, man, that's, that's who I follow. And uh, don't do that. Even your pastor. I try my best. I don't know if I can say that. I, I, I try. I don't know my best. Um, I'm, there are some weeks like this week, it was a busy week, I'll talk about that in just a moment, and it was hard to carve out the time to, to study and to do this we just bring the word as we understand it but each one of you should be like the people of Berea, you know what I'm talking about? in the book of Acts it talks about Paul who um, was going out and preaching and, and he preached the town of Thessalonica and they took it, oh yeah. This guy's great. Let's take it. And then he goes to the next town, which is Berea. And he would preach. And what the book of Acts tells us is that the men of Berea were more noble than the men of Thessalonica. Do you remember why? Who knows why? Who knows why besides Carson? Carson, why were they more noble They searched the scriptures daily to find out whether or not what Paul said was true. In other words, in Thessalonica, Paul said, this is true, and that went, oh yeah, that sounds good. And he went to Berea and said, this is what is true, and they said, hmm, let me check that out. How about that? He's right. I would ask you to be Bereans and not Thessalonikians. Okay? What we try to do up here is bring the word. And one of the most exciting and scariest thing at the same time is when a pastor can say, my people check up on me in the word. That would be exciting and really frightening too. But it would be a good thing to do. This is what scripture says. Long time ago, do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth. So let's get practical about this, okay? You ready? To be able to hear him and to be able to, to follow Jesus, don't, don't listen to the people around you so much as you're listening. If you do listen to the people, always put it through the filter of Jesus Christ. Here's what you've got to do. You have to do this. I have to slow down and listen to him. Okay. I have to slow down and learn to listen to him. You cannot, well maybe I shouldn't say cannot, almost never, maybe that's better, hear Jesus on the run. If your life is go, 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 no wonder you're not hearing from Jesus. Quite often Jesus is watching you run around and he's just saying, slow down. I've got something to tell you. But I'm not going to follow you like that. And I won't shout. Come to me. Take some time. I was on vacation uh, a couple weeks ago. I was in Florida. I told you about that in the Buzzard story. If you didn't hear about that, you can get it online. Um, But you know what's fun about being on vacation? I was in there and I was working in my home and seeing the grandkids. I just was slow and it was easy to pray and... Even when I'm outside working, and you know, there's just that connection because you have that time to think. And I came back and I literally, as you might say, figuratively, hit the ground running. Okay, I mean, we we got here and we had to go for a couple day trip, and they came back, and I was working on sermons. And this week has been so busy. Those of you who are here Tuesday night know what I'm talking about. It was hard to hear from Jesus this week. I was too busy it was hard to carve out the time for this message. And I don't even think I carved out enough. But there was no other time. You have to slow down. You gotta, you gotta take some time specifically to listen. When uh, Jesus was with his three favorite disciples, they went up on a mountaintop. We call it the transfiguration. Jesus is there, and next thing you know, his Face changes, and he's all in white. And the next thing you know, you've got Moses and Elijah standing there with him. And Jesus is now talking to Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah have been long dead. There's Jesus talking. And it was Peter, James, and John, and they're all, whoa, as you might imagine. And it's very, it would be acceptable to go, whoa, Moses, Elijah, Jesus, how cool is this? Now, what happens is, Peter, being the mouthy one, Says, "Oh, this is great that we're here, Lord." I tell you what. Let's build three temples right here. We'll build one for Moses and one for Elijah and one for you. In other words, you can all be equal. Won't that be wonderful, Jesus? Right up there with Moses and Elijah. This is what happens. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud that said, "What? Read it with me. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him." Do I listen to Moses? Well, no, no, not if Jesus is talking. Do I listen to Elijah? Not if Jesus is talking. Who are you listening to? See, in your life, who are you listening to? Who are the voices speaking into you? There will be so many important voices. This is good advice. Can you hear your father saying to you, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. You've got to learn to slow down and listen next okay so Paul says don't follow people stop that okay I'm telling you all this I told you that Jesus is supreme so I could tell you to stop following people but I'm also going to tell you this I told you that Jesus was supreme and that he was God and he could do all these things for this reason as well let Jesus finish his work in you he has something he wants to accomplish in you there's something going on that he wants to do he can do it He's God. If he created you, he can fix you too. If he created you when you broke yourself and you did, then you can be fixed through Jesus Christ. He can repair you. He's the one who knows where all the parts should be spiritually. He can do that. This is how Paul put it to the church of Colossae. In him you were also circumcised in putting off the sinful nature. Now that doesn't mean a whole lot to us. Because circumcision is just something that happens at birth, or a lot of times it doesn't even happen any longer. It doesn't have any kind of spiritual significance. Back then it was also that whole sign of people belonging to God. The men belonging to God were circumcised. Paul says, well, we're not talking about physical circumcision. We're talking about your sinful nature, which is really, really causing you problems. And guess what? Jesus can remove that. He can fix that. He can heal that. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism. Because here's how... And then raised with him through your faith. Remember? If you continue in your faith. The faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. The uncircumcised people were, not, were people who did not belong to God in the Old Testament. The circumcised people did. Paul says, you know what? Jesus comes on, came along and he made you part of the family. He brought you right in there and he's able to deal with your sinful nature. See, while you, sometimes we listen to the people around us and that causes a problem. Sometimes, you know, the worst person I can listen to is me. My problem isn't I'm listening to you. My problem is I'm listening to me. And I'm doing what I want. Very bad. Very bad. Do you remember, uh, see, my, my nature is in, is in need of a major overhaul. Do, any of you remember the, the comic strip Pogo? Any of you remember Pogo? Oh, yeah, a few of you remember Pogo. 1971, he came up with this famous little saying right here. Let's see if you can even see it right here. We have met the enemy, and he is us. Yeah. That's what Paul's saying. The biggest problem I have isn't the voices that are around me. It's the voice that's in here that's broken. That's telling me to do the things that shouldn't be done. That's wanting to do the things that shouldn't be done. That's my biggest problem. And I can blame the people around me, but it's it's not true. The problem isn't that I listen to you. The problem is that I listen to me. And I need that changed. So that's why Paul wrote this. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, when you begin that relationship, when you begin to listen to him, when you begin to listen to his voice and you learn to do that, he begins to make the changes within us that need to be made so that even my own desires and even my own thought process even my own wishes become be more and more in line with His if I'm not there I can't listen to myself because I'm going to want to do the things that aren't right my Father begins the process in me and works all of my life to change even the way I think so that pretty soon I begin to think like Him and I begin to do the things that are right, because that's, Jesus has changed me. Okay? Which means this. Here's the practical side. I have to develop the habits that will allow him to change me. Okay? It isn't automatic. Simply because you, you're, you're a Christ follower and you have faith in Jesus Christ doesn't mean you're going to be changed the way that you should be changed. Okay? It doesn't work that way. I'll give you an example. I had a tooth break um, last year, and I went and got it all drilled, and they put on a temporary little cap, okay? Now, I'm supposed to get a crown on it. That's the whole idea, but I don't have a crown on it. Does anybody figure out why? I didn't go back to the dentist. Yeah, it's it's pretty simple, okay? It's not like my dentist is going to chase me down the road with this crown saying, open up, Doug, we're going to shove this thing in there. Okay, by the way, I'm I'm going back this Thursday for my crown, (laughs) but there it is. I, I have, there's something, it's a great thing to do. I'll have a nice crown, or my tooth will be fine, but I've got to do something to get it. You ready? I'm going to show you a partial list of the things that we can do to help God grow us, and here it is right there. Next, there, oh, I love this particular transition. Doesn't look good. Ready? Bam, there you go. Prayer, meditation, worship, compassion, service, fasting, fellowship, humility, memorization, giving, study, rest, stewardship, community, gratitude, hospitality. We call those what? Uh, It's a short list, but we also call them spiritual disciplines. We've had classes on this, and we'll continue to have classes. This is how you do it. You do these things, and these are the things that allow Jesus Christ to work in us, to change us. Don't do these things. And will you be a Christian? Of course you will. You're a Christian by faith. But your nature will continue to be corrupted, and you won't be able to listen to yourself you won't think like Jesus. Do these over the course of your life and little by little by little you begin to think like Jesus. One more thing. One more thing that Paul says. I told you all about Jesus. I told you all how great he is. I told you who he is. He's God. He's the eternal God. He's the creator. He's our redeemer. He's our savior. He's all. He's my mission. He's my message. Now let me tell you another reason why I told you all of that. And here it is right here. Don't try to maintain your relationship through rules. See, that's what was happening with these Gnostics. Oh, you came to Jesus by faith? Isn't that wonderful? But you know you can't stay there by faith. Now you have all of these rules that you have to follow. And if you don't follow these rules, you're out. Now, are there rules? Yeah, there are some rules. But could I tell you to follow the rules Jesus gives you? Go into the Word and find all the rules that Jesus gives you. Follow those. You're going to discover it's a really short list. What we wind up doing is we try to follow the rules that people give us. When I uh, came to faith, I came into a church that followed rules. And it was very important to follow those rules. And those rules were pretty extensive. And those rules, everything from uh, you can't go to movies, you can't drink, you can't dance, you can't smoke. uh, Even, are you ready... Mixed bathing. Does anybody know what I mean by mixed bathing? Does anybody remember that? Swimming, yes. It was not proper for boys and girls to swim in the same swimming pool. Jesus didn't like that, you see. I don't know what they did about the ocean. I was from Southern California. But at any rate, I mean rule after rule after rule after rule. This is how you maintain your holiness, and this is how you you prove to the world how pure you are. With all due respect to my former denomination and all those wonderful people who raised me, I would just say nonsense. I came to Jesus by faith. I maintain my relationship with faith. Yeah, there are some rules, and I'll follow the ones he gives me, and I'll look for those, and I will obey him. But the rules that the people give me, they won't help me. This is what Paul said. Since you died with Christ and so the basic principles of the world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. This is evil. If you do this, you're a sinner. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands. As like I said, there are rules. Go find out Jesus' rules. Live by those. Such regulation indeed have an appearance of wisdom. With their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. As a matter of fact, they get in the way. Sometimes when we say, don't go swimming, the first thing we want to do is, I wonder what that would be like. That sounds pretty good to me. You know, let's go swimming secretly, okay? It doesn't help. Those rules don't make us closer to God. They don't bring us closer to God. They don't maintain that relationship with God. There are rules Jesus gives. Go find him, follow them. The rules that people give? Well, sometimes organizations have rules to join the organization. That's okay. Every organization does that. You want to be part of our organization? Here's some rules you've got to follow. Okay, no problem. But don't let anybody ever tell you that the only way to be a Christian is to follow their rules rules it doesn't work so here's what Paul is saying as we wrap this one up then I receive Jesus by faith not by following rules therefore I continue to live in him by faith not by following rules I know that this is hard for some of us because we grew up in that era And we remember well those rules. Some of us probably even remember some of our friends being removed from fellowship because they broke those rules. My sister is a Mormon today, Latter-day Saints, in part because of rules. Growing up, she was a ballet, really into ballet. She loved ballet. And I started attending this little uh, church, and it was rule-centered at the time, and um, I was the only one in my family that was going to church, and, you know, we'd invite friends and that sort of stuff. Then on Sunday nights, because we still had Sunday night church, okay, back then Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I remember those days, we had Sunday night church, and they were always looking for babysitters. And so I said to my sister, a couple years younger than, than I was, so she was maybe, what, the 14, 15 at the most, hey. They need some babysitters. Would you come and, and babysit? Trying to get her in that door, okay? And um, she came and she babysat, and one thing that she did is she taught some of the kids a few ballet moves, a few of the positions that I could demonstrate for you, but you'd have to call the ambulance to come <laughs> fix me. Fix and one dear old saint happened to have a little kid in that particular group who by the way was very instrumental in my own salvation and growth I love this guy but when he found out that my sister had taught his daughter a couple of ballet moves publicly he reamed her out for teaching his daughter to dance she never ever came back to church again. Met a wonderful Latter-day Saints man and now she is died in the womb. Hardcore Mormon. See, the problem with rules is they don't work. They don't make you holy. They cause us to be so judgmental as we look to everybody and say, I follow the rules and you don't. Man, I must be really good. And you must be really bad. There are some rules I'm not even going to tell you what they are. Go find them. Look to Jesus. He's got them. Follow Him. Never, ever again will you try to base your relationship or maintain your relationship with Jesus based on rules that human beings write for you. Father, thank you so much. We're beginning to understand Paul, why Paul wrote this letter. I mean... there's so much more to see in what he had to say uh, the 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 basis of who he is that just took a chapter the other chapters are all about what it means to live in him and why he's so important Jesus thank you so much our faith is in you and we're learning to listen to you father that's what we need to do because there are so many voices shouting at us as we take a few moments father a few moments of time just to think about what you have to say to a spirit this will be that moment that we can listen to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.